Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. such good songs that I don't even want to bring the show back. I just want to listen to the whole song. Thanks for making me so happy. Bro, every song has a reason and a purpose, and I always play good songs. I know you do. That's why you're the best in the biz. Welcome back to Nuanas Now, our daily music review show uh, that also has some sports content in it from time to time. You listen to ESPN Radio around the great state of Montana. Thanks to SWX Montana. SWX Montana is broadcasting the uh, Sentinel Billings West game Friday night, 7 p.m. So if you can't make it down to Washington Grizzly Stadium to watch the rematch of the uh, Class AA state title game from last fall, you can check it out right here on SWX Montana Television. Miss anything in the first hour of the show? Fun first hour. Anthony Knockreiner, Knock on Sports podcast. Joined us to break down Class AA football. I gave you some contenders and top performers at the Class B and C levels. And also gave some fancy football advice as well as part of our new iteration of Wing It Wednesday. All of that can be found 
in the podcast, which is proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wayne Gate by Wyndham Hotel. Well, it's a Wednesday, so that means it's time for our ESPN Roundtable, presented proudly by Paradise Falls in Missoula. A lot of businesses, a lot of places they like to say rain, shine, whatever, and uh, this is truly that because Brooks Nuana is our guest on this week's ESPN Roundtable. Brooks Nuana is of SkylineSportsMT.com, and uh, it's hailing pretty good over there in the Gallatin Valley as you make your way back to Bozeman. So I uh, appreciate you braving the elements, and uh, I, I guess that part of the world never ceases to amaze the weather patterns that go through. Yeah, man, where there's smoke, there's fire, but apparently it's snowing and it's hailing in the middle of a smoke-filled summer season. So here we are. <laughs> it's amazing. It's one of the best parts about Montana. One of our good buddies, Kevin, he's always saying, why does everybody always complain about the weather in Montana? That's the whole thing. That's the whole reason we live here. Let's stop talking about the weather. But it is, if you make it a good joke, it's part of one of the things that makes it cool to live in Montana. But speaking of Montana, Montana, Montana State, nine days away from opening up their football season. So we're going to have a conversation all about the Big Sky Conference as a whole. Uh, we're going to play a little word association with each of the teams in the Big Sky, have a little discussion about what it actually takes to win this league, and uh, see where else we can get here as well. On uh, is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. So, Brooks, I know that we'll – I'll start with this caveat. You and I watched a little bit of spring football, but the primary teams that we cover, Montana, Montana State, were not participating in the spring season. Sacramento State, Northern Colorado also did not participate, uh, nor did Portland State. And – Cal Poly opted out a little bit early, uh, so only about half the league actually got the full six-game spring slates done. That said, a nearly impossible task to track 21 months worth of roster movement without any real games. Uh, It's sort of all muddied in everybody's minds. Who's got who? Who doesn't have who? Who's a a freshman, a redshirt freshman, a true freshman? What are freshmen anymore? How many freshmen do you have? Uh, All of the above. But I just want to just broadly, I think this will be fun because this is not an in-depth analysis. More just what comes to your mind right away when you think of each of these teams. So we'll stop. We'll start just by going in alphabetical order here for teams around the Big Sky Conference. When I say Cal Poly, you think what? Change. Triple option, you know, has been such a prominent part of my life within Big Sky Conference football and the triple option is now gone at Cal Poly with Bo Baldwin stepping in and running, you know, a whole spread offense that we, you and I are familiar with, but most fans are as well. From his time at Eastern Washington, uh, he went down to Cal and, and ran a very similar offense. So I can't wait to see what Cal Poly is because in my mind, it's one game that you have to circle always because of the difference in the preparation. And I'm sure they're going to run the football at times as well, but it's not the triple option anymore. So I think change. How would you describe Bo Baldwin's offense? What makes it different or unique, or, or like what? How would you differentiate it from just your, you know, an, an air raid or just a normal spread? Well, I think that he he likes to highlight, um, you know, a really good receiver and put pressure on you with depth that receiver. So there's always kind of a focal point of who they're trying to get the ball to, and they do that often and early by you know a little bit of a short passing game. Um, he's not afraid to take shots downfield, but we think of the Cooper Cups of the world. What made Cooper Cups so great was, uh, was his supporting cast, with the receiving core around him, because they put so much pressure on you that you can't really just double Cooper Cup, especially in the slot. So Bo Baldwin likes to have that big, dominant receiver, but then put pressure on you with depth. So it's, it's more of a West Coast spread than it is an air raid or a downfield spread, in the sense that they like to use crossing routes, the short passing game, and they'll throw it to the running back. 
out of the backfield as well as in the screen game. So it's a little bit of a hybrid, of a little bit of that West Coast style, also kind of a new modern college spread. A lot of times, too, especially when Troy Taylor was there for the one season he was there, so often the college football uh, – Getting guys in space, pressing the wide side of the field is so commonplace. They like to press the short side of the field, too. Sometimes put a lot of pressure on uh, the boundary instead of the field. And that then re- results in a lot of different uh, opportunities for, you don't want to say pick plays, but uh, guys rubbing routes off of each other that helps guys get open, right? Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of common concepts where... Uh, if if not if this then that is what quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators like to call so kind of option routes where you're going to put guys in the similar space on the field and they kind of feed off each other so you're going to put two hook routes that are only six yards deep but you're going to let them float in the zone there you're going like you mentioned you're going to run some cross pick plays where you're going to have some motion and make defenders decide if this then that so quarterback sees the, the corner stayed with the with the out route. If this, then I throw the slot, and then I throw the slant. So it's a lot of of questions answered post and pre-snap. But as you mentioned, they like to do a lot of stuff together in tandem uh, with that deeper receiving core that they've had. That that football was able to to operate with at every single stop he's had, and I I expect the same for Cal Poly. Although Cal Poly has been running the triple option, to me, one of the most undertold stories of the Cal Poly program is not necessarily the changeover from a triple option offense to a more traditional or uh, a more spread out offense, but it's the regression of the defensive talent for a long time, whether it was Nick DeZubnar, Cameron Anko, or Johnny Millard, or you know Marcus Page Allen, who's Larry Allen's son, or uh, Josh Latuiasanoa, or you know, some of the guys that they had. I mean, their front was always really good. They had multi- They always had as many NFL guys as anybody in the league defensively, and they haven't had those guys anymore. So to me, that's the biggest story: is the the regression of the defensive talent at. Um, Cal Poly, so we'll see uh, if they can get that back on track. And also, though, I think that there's a an interesting element there too. There's all, so much talk about the offensive changeover because uh, it is a, such a different offense. But m- most of the guys that Cal Poly has been recruiting, they were teaching them the triple option. It's not like they were recruiting guys from triple option programs in the state of California. That's a there is some of that, especially in Northern California, but. Like the offensive lineman, you probably had a 75% chance where you were learning how to block like a triple option lineman uh, rather than uh, the opposite way. So I guess what I'm saying is this might be a, re- uh, a, a regression to the mean or a, I guess a return to the roots for some of the guys. And I also expect, I mean, that's the thing about Cal Poly as well. Even though they run the triple option, they've had a couple of the better wide receivers in the league from time to time as well. Ramsey Barden from uh, in the mid-2000s, a name that comes to mind. But then most recently, J.J. Koski. He was the most recent Cal Poly guy to go to the NFL. And uh, he went to the NFL as a wide receiver playing a triple option offense. So I actually think that they probably have quite a few guys on their roster who running sort of spread concepts won't be that foreign. It'll actually just be like kind of what they were doing in high school. Yeah, I totally agree. As you mentioned, I mean, it's not very common to run this triple option style that they actually were running. Um, as you mentioned, in high school, not a lot of teams are doing that. Even option-oriented teams aren't running uh, the dip and dive, true triple option. So uh, I do agree with you. I think that the California is going to be a hotbed for quarterbacks and receivers, and Bill Baldwin has spent so much time there. His last stop at Cal, as well as just recruiting the West Coast in general. 
ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. You want to check out the Grizz game against the Washington Huskies on September 4th, uh, 6 p.m. kick. Or maybe you want to check out the Bobcat game, 2 p.m. kick that day uh, from Laramie, Wyoming. Go down to Paradise Falls. You can get some lunch, watch the Bobcat game, get some dinner, watch the Grizz game. They got drinks, uh, drink specials, 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs. If you need a spot to go watch Big Sky Conference football this year, head on down to Paradise Falls in Missoula, located at 3621 Brook Street, the proud presenter of the ESPN Roundtable. Our guest on the ESPN Roundtable this week, Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com. Go check out SkylineSportsMT.com for your best coverage. When it comes to all things Big Sky Conference, particularly the Grizzlies and the Bobcats. And Brooks, next uh, in our word association game when it comes to Big Sky Conference football, Eastern Washington. Well, I would have to say the one word I think of is running the football. So the running game is so important to Eastern Washington in the last handful of years. We think of Eric Berrier as the best quarterback in the Big Sky Conference. We think of the depth of receiver that they've had, which we just spoke about with Bo Baldwin through through Troy Taylor into even Aaron Best. But to me, Eastern Washington is at its best when they are able to run the football and they run it successfully. That opens up everything for Eric Berry and they become a team that can go to a national championship and contend for one if they can run the football. So for me, I want to see what that looks like up front. Again, we talk about some of the NFL hotbeds in throughout the, the conference. Not a ton of guys that necessarily have made it to the NFL on the offensive line from East Washington, but tons of guys who have a chance, who can sniff it, who are at that level. Um, you, you think of Michael Ruse, who's, who the, uh, the stadium is named after over in Sheeney. Great offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans in the 90s. They have a tradition of being able to run the football, and for me, if they want to compete with the top three teams in the league, Weber, Montana, Montana State, they're going to have to be able to run the football. And that's been one of the undertold stories of Eastern Washington as well, because Bo Levi Mitchell, Vernon Adams, Gage Gubrud, Cooper Cup, Shaq Hill, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nick Edwards, Brandon Kaufman, Greg Hurd. The quarterbacks and the receivers have gotten so much attention at Eastern Washington. But from Taiwan Jones through Quincy Forte to most recently Sam McPherson and Antoine Custer, Eastern's always had a dude, if not a couple, at the running back position as well. Custer was a senior uh, back in 2019, so his career is over. He finished his senior year with more than 1,200 yards rushing, and he finished his Eagle career with more than 3,000 yards rushing and 39 touchdowns. So that's a guy that is going to be tough to replace. Sam McPherson was really good as well for Eastern Washington, particularly during that 2018 run all the way to the national championship game. Uh, but Tameric Pierce is a guy that comes back, uh, but he had an ACL injury uh, that ended his 2019 season. I know he was pretty good in the spring, but to me, uh, that's sort of a, a microcosm of the overall, what I think most people would say is a little bit of a regression in terms of talent. I mean, they still have guys like Andrew Boston and uh, Talela Limu jones and Freddie Robertson at receiver. Those guys are good, but they're not Brandon Kaufman or Cooper Cup good. Who is? I know, but uh, it's the same thing with the running backs. Like, Tameric Pierce is a good player, but he's not Antoine Custer, and Antoine Custer was not Quincy Forte, and Quincy Forte was not Taiwan Jones. So, uh, to me, I think that's the, the uh, sort of narrative around Eastern Washington right now. They have gotten, they have uh, dominated because of dominant talent and uh, I just don't know if they have that dominant talent anymore and once Eric Berry is out the door we'll see, but it seems like uh, they're running thin on the guys that Bo Baldwin and company brought to town uh, as they enter now year four under Aaron Best. And they're going to win games being able to throw the football. I mean, Eric Berry is, as I mentioned, 
likely the best quarterback in the Big Sky Conference. They're going to win games when he puts that, that team on his shoulders. But it gets cold in Cheney. And if you want to make a playoff run, we know that this is a tournament style in the FCS. And it gets cold, and the wind starts blowing, and it snows. And when, you, when it becomes winning time, playoff football, you're going to be able to run the football, and that's what Eastern's going to need to do to be successful. Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, joining us here on Nuanas now. All right, Brooks, number three on our word association list, Idaho. Strong defensive play is what it's going to take. They have never been electric since they've rejoined the Big Sky Conference and on the offensive side of the ball. No matter who they started at quarterback, no matter what the running game looks like, they've had some really nice offensive linemen with a lot of potential that didn't necessarily produce. They've gotten some shootouts, but overall, not a very strong offensive team. Some of the best linebackers and secondary players in the in the conference this year. I love their linebacking crew. So when I think of Idaho football, uh, I think defense if they want to be good. That's the style Paul Petrino generally wants to play as well. Uh, to me, the word I associate with Idaho is relevancy or lack thereof. They need to find a way to become relevant in this league once again because uh, they have been largely irrelevant. When they're playing Montana, Montana State, or Eastern Washington, they gain a little relevancy, they gain a little attention, but hardly anybody's paying attention to a team that was once in the FBS. Uh, you know, m- No one's talking about it when Idaho's playing Portland State or Sac State or... Uh, Cal Poly. And you could say, well, unless the schools are playing, you know, Weber, Montana, Montana State every single week, everybody's irrelevant. Well, that might be true to a certain extent, but Idaho is is not even as relevant as Idaho State right now, in my personal opinion, just in terms of the way that the league uh, thinks about them, the way that the fans of the league think about them. So I just feel like uh, it's a big year because the Mesa Petrino saga is over. Uh, Bob, or excuse me, uh, Paul Petrino is in a contract year, and uh, he's going to be calling his own plays this year. They don't have an offensive coordinator, so it's a big year for the Vandals um, if they hope to again gain some sort of relevancy in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, and if I really, if you if you let, allow me, and, and and no offense to any Idaho fan. Uh, if, if you're going to talk about relevancy, if you want a word association with Idaho, I would say hilarious because it's been hilarious to watch them flounder in the Big Side Conference, kind of top to bottom in their, their entire football program, dropping down from the FBS with a ton of talent and more, more or less floundering across the board. Um, so hilarious is what it's been. And can they find relevancy? I'm not sure. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, when you become less relevant than Idaho State in this conference, historically where Idaho's been in the big sky, uh, it's, a, it's a tough situation, especially in the contract year, as you mentioned. Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. It's the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Okay, next, Idaho State. Startup. I mean, I, or, or rather, can I say that Idaho State could be the sleeper? So when I think of Idaho State, I think of a team that has always been really close in the last I'd even say five or six years. I mean, we go back to Justin Arias, a team that you know pushed for a league title. I think that Idaho State has almost been right there. They've had some down years, um, and when the wheels fall off at Idaho State, it really goes bad. You know, things seem to just completely fall apart. But I do think that they have talent. They have a funny home field advantage. They have a pretty strong culture. Uh, Pocatello has a strong football culture in general. Um, so the idea of it being like a little college town tucked in, a, in the southern Idaho mountains is appealing to what it 
kind of the idea of the storybook college football season, of the storybook college football program. Um, so I like what Idaho State has done the last couple of years. I think that their quarterback is solid right now. You have to remember, remind me of his first name, Colter. Tyler Vanderwall. Tyler Vanderwall, who played really well in the spring. So I think they have some pieces. Rob Fennessy, uh, a guy that I know fairly well, and I know his coaching style, has good motivational styles to get teams to be together. But as I mentioned, sometimes when the wheels fall off, it goes awry. So when I think of Idaho State, I think sleeper. One guy, too, to keep an eye on, Malachi Rango. He was a great running back for Idaho State during the spring, and uh, he's a different style running back than they've had there in recent years. He's not like Xavier Finney um, or some of the other guys that they've had. He's more of a scat back type slasher, uh, but that could actually cater well, especially because they are going to be running so much RPO stuff with Tyler Vanderwall and, of course, Mike Ferriter, former Montana wide receiver and a good friend of ours, will be calling the plays there as well. Uh, Moving on in the Big Sky Conference, next up on our list. We're going to skip over the Montana schools right now because we're going to come back around to them. But Northern Arizona. When, I, when, I, when, you, when you say Northern Arizona, I think of the word relevancy, as you mentioned, uh, with Idaho. So for me, Northern Arizona has to find some footing because with the, in the Chris Ball era, a defensive-minded coach in a dome with a place that's building a new athletic facility, a place that's, that has a little bit of money being poured into the program that has not been able to really sees any kind of momentum in the last handful of years. But for me, Northern Arizona, as you mentioned with Idaho, is more of that team that really needs to find its, its identity within the Big State Conference with a new head coach. A team that I know will play pretty hard, uh, but can they start to develop some talent and recruit some talent, especially with the new facility, which I mentioned? Uh, a lot of that came from the, the student athletic fee, and you can speak more to that, Coulter, but some people have a lot of these programs, Montana, Montana State, privately fund or uh, fundraise this money or get private donations uh, to, to build these beautiful athletic facilities. And Northern Arizona is going to get a lot of funding from their athletic fee, which is a couple hundred bucks per student every year, goes into a beautiful new facility. Can they recruit to that? Um, and this will be a big year for them as far as being able to put their, their name back on the map in the Arizona region as well as that in the southwest region to become more relevant in the recruiting game. One of the most fascinating guys in this league to me, a guy that I have next to no clue about. I watched him live one time, but a guy that could be one of the guys that could be a surprise breakout player in this league. That's Keandre Woodkey. Keandre Woodkey was once upon a time a highly, highly recruited quarterback who went to Oklahoma State. He got up some playing time at Oklahoma State, fell out of favor. He has a very similar story to Matt McKay, North Carolina State, now with Montana State. Woodkey is a big, strong, athletic guy. He's got a good arm. I thought he looked pretty good in the spring. Chris Ball has not minced words whatsoever. He's talked openly about how he thinks Woodkey could and should be among the best quarterbacks in the Big Sky Conference. So if that's the case, uh, then I think that's a good thing for for Northern Arizona because uh, they still have Hendricks Johnson, one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, Stacy C is what we'll call him. Uh, I can never pronounce his last name, but he was an All Big Sky receiver as well. So if Woodkey can be a dude, that could help Northern Arizona. I'm just so interested to see where they're at because they did a, f- a full sale fire sale basically. And I actually got an email from an NAU fan after I went on the uh, Tubs in the Club podcast with the Idaho guys, because I was pretty hard on NAU and just the regression in talent I saw across their roster. And he, this fan basically broke down for me all of the the fat that Chris Ball trimmed, all the guys that they sort of cut loose. So 
You know, NAU did go three and two in the spring. Their wins were uh, two against Southern Utah and one against Idaho, and they lost by five points to Weber State and got blown out by Eastern Washington. So I don't know how much you can glean from that, but I do think that Woodkey could be a guy if he's good that could get NAU, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more competitive, but. Uh, we will certainly see. Moving on, uh, ESPN Roundtable, Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com joining us. Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado, when you say that, it makes me feel excited. Uh, McCaffrey is what I think of. I mean, how cool Ed McCaffrey, now the new head coach at Northern Colorado, former Denver Bronco great, you know, a guy that we followed a ton. McCaffrey also brings his son, a quarterback transfer from the University of Michigan, over so huge intrigue um, from the McCaffreys there in Northern Colorado, and you know a, a team that has that's had talent. You know through our, our entire time covering the Big Sky Conference, there's always a couple players on Northern Colorado that are pretty impressive. Uh, will the program become more developed and a little bit more have more of an identity under under McCaffrey? I think so. So intrigue would be my word. How good is Dylan McCaffrey? That's what I want to know. I mean, I think there's intrigue, but it's also there's a mystery because. There's guys that have come to the league in recent years that are, you know, former four-star recruits. Uh, They've had success like Travis Johnson, but playing a different position at Montana State. Tyler Brugman, not so much success playing quarterback at Montana State. We've seen it at some other schools as well. And now Montana State's going to have a third straight in North Carolina State transfer Matt McKay. And we just mentioned Woodkey. But people forget that Dylan McCaffrey, he's not just a a four-star guy. He was a five-star guy. He's a blue-chip guy. He's an elite 11 guy. He's one of the top five quarterback recruits in the United States of America. You could actually argue that he has the highest pedigree of any quarterback to ever come to the Big Sky Conference. What does that mean, though? Why did he fall out of favor in Michigan? How will it work with him operating an offense where his dad's the head coach and his older brother's the offensive coordinator? I think it could go so great, and I think it could go so bad. So to me, uh, they have made it, the McCaffrey show there at Northern Colorado. They are not shying away from that. That's what the interviews are all about. That's what the coverage is all about. And I think that's what Northern Colorado wanted when they hired Ed McCaffrey. Uh, But how good is Dylan McCaffrey? If he is exceptionally good, could Northern Colorado make some noise this year? I think they could definitely make some noise. I mean, it's all about, you know, it's team sports. you got to play some defense. But, you know, in this league, it, it, it's not necessarily a quarterback-driven league, but if there is a transcendent quarterback, a quarterback can win the league. You know, I, I, there's been a lot of teams in, the, in this league that don't really need strong quarterback play. You think of Montana State the last couple of years. You think of Weber State the last couple of years. Good, serviceable quarterbacks, but not elite. Uh, but you also think of guys like Eric Berrier, who we already mentioned, who is elite quarterback talent, who has taken that team to a national championship kind of on, you know, on his shoulders. So I do think Northern Colorado could make some noise. Can they win the league? You know, I don't know if they're quite there yet. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, a top five quarterback in the nation is a pretty big time recruit. ESPN Roundtable, Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, joining us. Do a little word association when it comes to uh, the teams from across the Big Sky Conference. Speaking of great quarterbacks, the following team, Portland State, has one in Davis Alexander. But when you think of Portland State, what is the word that first comes to your mind? Barney Ball, baby. Bruce Barnum, you know, head coach that we're close with that we sure like as a person as well as a coach. I mean, he's a hilarious guy and also a pretty dynamite coach. I like a lot of the stuff he does. I like the culture he builds. I mean, they've had some down seasons where that, those teams stick together more or less. Uh, you know, they they have some turd birds every now and then that Bernie can actually bring back into the fold, and, and he does a pretty good job in recruiting as well. So 
I think of Barney Ball. You and I have talked a lot about Portland State and kind of the state of their athletic pro department and programs. Uh, how long are they going to stay Division One? Are they going to get more funding? Are they going to not have to play in a soccer stadium and a high school football stadium? And what does that all look like? How long does Bruce Barnum have? He's been there now. Correct me if I'm wrong. This will be his sixth season. Um, and they that first year they won the league, and since then they have been down. So how long does Bruce Barnum have? What does Portland State's program look like moving forward? I always think of Barney Ball until it's over. Make or break. That's my word for Portland State because I think that uh, their football future, their athletic department future, I'm not going to say it's hanging in the balance, but it's certainly uh, a gray area to be sure right now. So I do think this is a paramount season, but I do think that Portland State is my dark horse. I think they are uh, going to be a team that could finish in the top half of the league and, and definitely make some noise in the league standings and have an effect on the playoff race and the teams that come out of the Big Sky Conference as well. Word association with Brooks Duanas here on the ESPN Roundtable. Up next, Sacramento State. I think Sacramento State, the word I would think of is, is expectations. And I think that those expectations probably have to stay high. Uh, Portland State has been, or Sacramento State, excuse me, has had a good run, especially with Troy Taylor. They've made some noise on the national level as well as in the playoffs. Uh, but for me, that team teeters on the bit of obscurity where if things can go wrong or things don't, you can't keep the car in between the ditches. Things can go bad at Sacramento State, just culturally and program-wise. Uh, you know, a team that has played, has had success in the Big Sky, but isn't necessarily a premier program in the Big Sky. But I think that if Troy Taylor keeps the expectations high and makes them feel as they are relevant, they can finish in the top half of the league. We'll see talent-wise. A little bit unbeknownst to me as far as what they have, especially on the defensive side of the football. I know they had a lot of young defensive backs uh, two years ago when I last saw them. So we'll see how those guys have developed. But overall, I think that if Troy Taylor, who I think is a dynamite head coach, if he can keep the expectations high, then hopefully or potentially Sacramento State can, can reach those. Yeah, I totally agree. It's ex- he nailed it with Sac State. I think that uh, they've had the longest time off to think about this upcoming season because they opted out before anybody else. They knew they weren't going to play in the fall or the spring. And so I think that they probably are going to have some surprises up their sleeves, both when it comes to scheme and personnel. How do they replace Kevin Thompson, the Big Sky Cowards offensive MVP from 2019 at quarterback? Uh, that remains to be seen, but I do think that Troy Taylor's got some veterans on his staff led by defensive coordinator Andy Thompson, which I think will give Sacramento State a chance each and every Saturday uh, during Big Sky Covers football. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. All right, next up, Southern Utah. Well, the word I think of when I think of Southern Utah is struggling. Uh, I think Southern Utah might finish at the very bottom of the league. Um, they have not been able to find a cohesive unit under Demario Warren. The, the, the school has, the program has struggled just in general, and they've had some players uh, at times, but they have not had a ton of leadership on offense or defense, um, and you've just seen them flounder a bit. So for me, uh, kind of the bottom of the barrel of the league is, is what they look like um, on paper, and we'll see what it, what, how, it, how it turns out. You know, I, I do think they have a little a home field advantage to, in a sense. You know, I, I think that that's a fun little stadium to play in. Um, you know, the cool crowd down there. It's a fun, different college environment than a lot of what the Big Sky Conference is. So I think that there's pieces at Southern Utah, especially, you know, they have some connection um, throughout the, the, the state of Utah as a Division One program, which is a pretty good football um, high school recruiting hotbed. So for me, there's pieces there. But right now, I would say Southern Utah is struggling. 
Amazing to think that when they joined the league in 2012, then by 2014, they were a playoff team. 2015 and 2017, they won Big Sky titles. Uh, but then after that 2017 championship, uh, I believe that they've only won four games. Uh, and that's not including last spring. Uh, but last spring, I know they, they were sort of in the mix in some games, uh, but they still only went one and five. So wins have been hard to come by. Uh, it's their last year in the league. They're trying to tout it like... Um, the last hurrah, we're all in. We're going to storm the big sky one more time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I think that there's just been a regression across the board in their program since Ed Lamb left, so I totally agree. They've been struggling. Two more to go here on the ESPN Roundtable. Brooks Duana is ripping through all the teams in the Big Sky Conference, giving you some insight and some thoughts on all of them. Uh, second to last, Brooks, UC Davis. An unknown to me. I would say UC Davis is the most unknown team in the league as far as what they're going to put on, on out on the field as, as a as a product. I, I really don't know. Um, they have so many new guys, and, and, and scheme-wise, I'll be very interested to see what how they continue to develop with the new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, they have done some really cool stuff offensively in the last four or five years, and now that's going to change. So for me, it's the most unknown team in the league, and that's how, I, that's how I'd word associate it. The departure of Jake Mayer, obviously a big storyline. He's now, because Bo Levi Mitchell broke his leg, Jake Mayer is now the starting quarterback for Dave Dickinson's Calgary Stampeders up there in the Canadian Football League. He threw a couple touchdowns the other night, looked really good. Uh, so that's obviously tough to replace, but replacing players, that's just the way college football goes. You're always going to have to replace a guy at some point somewhere down the line. But the loss of Tim Plow, I think, is huge because Plow was so good at Northern Arizona and then so good at, at UC Davis as well, and he's now coaching at Boise State. So I think the departure of UC Davis's offensive coordinator is certainly one of the biggest storylines uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Speaking of Jake Mayer, he once upon a time when he was coming out of junior college almost went to Weber State. How would that have to change the trajectory of Jay Hill's squad? Uh, we'll never know. But Weber State is the four-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. They went undefeated in the uh, regular season during the spring season, but then they lost 34-31 at home to Southern Illinois in the first round of the spring playoffs. A lot of varying thoughts about uh, Weber State, Brooks. I think that uh, on one hand, conventional wisdom would say, how can you doubt these guys? They've been in the playoffs five times in a row. They've won four straight league titles. But it also remains to be seen if they can replace some of the elite talent. I think they'll be good in the secondary. Bronson Barron looks like an actual upgrade at quarterback. They still have great players at the skill spots, especially Josh Davis at running back, Ty McPherson at receiver, Justin Malone at tight end. But... I don't see a McKay Murphy or an Adam Rodriguez or a Jonah Williams up front. I don't see a LeGrand Toyea or uh, you know some of the other great linebackers like they've had during the Jay Hill era. So what do you think of when you think of Weber State? Top dogs, man. I mean, Weber State is king of the league, and there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, They haven't played Montana, Montana State every year during those four league titles in a row, but Overall, they haven't been dethroned, and until they are, they're top dogs. And, uh, they are the team to beat, and I think Montana, Montana State will give them a run for their money in every which way you can possibly frame it. Um, and I think that we'll know a whole lot more, you know, by by the time that those games kick off in the middle middle of the season or so. But right now, Weber State's top dogs, and uh, they have a lot of talent. Jake Hill has that thing rolling. You said that you don't see any of those defensive edge players. They're there, and I almost guarantee it. Um, Jay Hill has cultivated a true program in, in the West 
and one of you know one of the, the most prominent FCS programs in the country right now. So until they're dethroned, uh, Weber State's top dogs. Champions until you are champions no longer. An excellent point. Brooks Nuanas, ESPN Roundtable, SkylineSportsMT.com. ESPN Roundtable presented to you by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. They got 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Go check them out today. More with Brooks right after this. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Welcome back. New on is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Go check out Northwest Motorsport, NWMSRocks.com. Brooks New is joining us, SkylineSportsMT.com, talking all things football. Give you some word association when it comes to all the Big Sky Conference teams outside of the state of Montana uh, on a, for our ESPN Roundtable. But now, Brooks, I want to just ask you uh, just a broad question about quarterback play. We sort of touched on it within that last bit of analysis. But I think that it's interesting to look at the Big Sky Conference because in its iteration uh, in the 60s and 70s, it was a a rough-and-tumble, hard-hitting, defensive-style league. But then when the Division I AA, um, when that level was formed in 1978, then a few Big Sky Conference teams took the country by storm by throwing the ball over the place, namely Idaho and Idaho State. Idaho State won that national championship back in 1983. Then the Bobcats won a national championship in 1984 by throwing all over the place. Boise State had a spread offense that helped them win in 1980. So several, I guess, three of the first seven Division I AA national championships were won by Big Sky Conference teams uh, from the Rocky Mountain part of the the league, and uh, then that set this trend. And then when Montana was throwing the ball over the yard in the 90s under Don Reed, sort of continued that trend. You had great quarterbacks like John Freeze and Doug Nussmeyer at Idaho and Jamie Martin at Weber State, and then, of course, Dave Dickinson at Montana. And then Eastern Washington tried to sort of parlay that, and they sort of made it into their own, and they were the ones that had the high-flying offense and uh, were throwing the ball over the place with you know everybody from Josh Blankenship all the way through uh, Gage Gubrud with a bunch of elite players like Vernon Adams and Eric Meyer, Matt Nichols in between. But when you look at what the league has been the last handful of years, Weber State has won four straight league titles and been in the playoffs five times in a row. Their best quarterback, Stephen Cantwell, solid but not by no means uh, a game-breaking or game-winning type quarterback. 
You look at uh, Montana State this last year. They don't, they didn't have a Big Sky Championship in 2018 or 2019, but they did it with literally no quarterback play, just running the ball right down their throats. Uh, there's been some good quarterbacks at Montana, especially during the Bobby Houck uh, era, Craig Oaks, Cole Berquist, Andrew Sell, Dalton Sneed. But the Grizzlies, by and large, uh, you know, they don't necessarily rely on the quarterback to win them the game. And then you look at some of the best quarterbacks from the league over the last eight years, Case Cookus. And uh, Garrett Saffron from Sac State and, and several other guys involved. But those guys, hardly any playoff exposure. And uh, so I guess the question is, how important is quarterback play actually? Because I do think that we sort of look at the league sometimes and think, okay, who's got the best and most returning veteran starter under center? In this league this year, only Eastern Washington with Eric Berrier and Portland State with Davis Alexander return a veteran guy who you could consider an elite talent. But that said, I don't really know how much you even need a quarterback to win in this league. So what do you think? I mean, what do you think of just the way that this has evolved? Because it seems like it's a trickle-down effect. You absolutely need a quarterback in the NFL at the highest level. But it might not be as important as uh, they want us to believe uh, as, as you kind of go down levels of football. Yeah, it's all about the team building, you know, it's, it's all about uh, how the roster is constructed and the identity of a team, um, which oftentimes just leans on a head coach. And there's, what does the head coach philosophy look like? You know, there's, there's not a ton of guys that are, that are kind of hybrid offense, defense, kind of just football guys. Um, you know, I think of Bobby Houck is one of those kind of guys that, you know, he leans on special teams and, and, and running to the football and maybe some defensive principles a bit more than the offensive side. But overall, he's kind of a balanced coach. But then you look at someone uh, like Brent Vegan at Montana State who is clearly an offensive mind and, and wants to be an offensive-driven football team. So I think that when you recruit to a philosophy and you stay consistent with it, that then in that way you can build a roster that does not necessarily need elite quarterback play to win. And Weaver State's done that successfully, as you mentioned, over the last five, half decade. Uh, but when you look at elite quarterback play, sometimes it can cover up a little bit of deficiency. Sometimes it gets younger guys on the field because, let's say, at Eastern Washington with Eric Berry, you may be able to play a freshman or sophomore cornerback or defensive back or linebacker just because their mistakes can be covered up or, or you know, Eric Berrier can kind of elevate the offense to a certain point where it doesn't matter if you're giving up 24 points a game because Eric Berrier is scoring 38. So I think it's all based on philosophy. I think, as you mentioned, in this league, um, kind of this level of football, elite quarterback play, while important, isn't necessarily everything as far as winning the Big Sky Conference or winning a league in the FCS. But when we look at on the national stage, when we go from James Madison to North Dakota State to Sam Houston last year, uh, you start looking at, elite quarterback talent. You know, Illinois State had some elite quarterback talent. Uh, Delaware, all the way back with the guys like Joe Flacco. You, know, you look at North Dakota State, three straight starting quarterbacks were drafted in the, in the first round of the NFL. I guess Easton Stick was in the third round, but still a guy that's going to be on an NFL roster for probably 10 years. The Chargers back up currently. Uh, so overall, I think to win a national championship, there's no way that you can win it with a slouch of quarterback. That's what I've always thought Weber State was being held back a little bit dominating in the Big Side Conference, taking it to the national level and going all the way you know, to the quarterfinals but never being able to push past that moment just due to a little bit of lack of quarterback play, especially later in the season. We talk cold weather, playoff-style football. So while it's important, I don't think you have to have it, but to win a national championship, which is what we're all here for, I hate to break it to everyone, winning the Big Side Conference is fun, and it should certainly be a goal. But I think the national championship is 
what the Big Sky Conference should aspire for, and I think you do need good quarterback play to get to that point. Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, joining us here on Nuanas now, ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide, SWX Montana Television. We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport is new to Missoula. Go check them out here in town. They're located on the corner of Stevens and Mount. You can also find them online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. And I think that that gets me to my next question then. Great segue, great lead-in. I think that the notion that the Big Sky is as good as it's ever been is only true in terms of how the, the depth that it has. It is a league that could have six teams competing for four playoff spots. That's a good thing. I also think the league beats itself up a little bit, which might actually hurt it on the national level. But also, even though there's been four teams that made the playoffs in both 2018 and 2019 out of the Big Sky Conference, none of those teams was really in the mix to win the national championship. So can a league be the, the, uh, the best league in the country if you don't have a true national championship contender? I'm not sure. But that's the thing I think needs to be shifted is the expectation. Because... For years, the Big Sky was just the first box to check if you were the Montana Grizzlies. It, you knew you were going to win the Big Sky. In fact, it was not even acceptable to even consider losing a game in the Big Sky Conference. The, the competition internally and externally was all in pursuit of how do you be the number one team in the country, not the number one team in the league. So how much do you think the mentality of these teams uh, affects and maybe even holds them back? I mean, do... Do these teams, if you're Weber State, Montana, Montana State, or one of the Big Sky Conference contenders, how much do you need to think of outside of just winning the league title when it comes to actually chasing that national crown? Well, it gets really complicated because nowadays there's so much noise. You know, there's so much social media attention, media, local media attention, national media attention. There's so much noise that all these coaches now are trying to make sure and stay super internal, super tight. Don't let the secrets out, but also don't let the noise in. Keep the kids very focused. It's one day at a time. It's one play at a time. It's one practice at a time. And while I do see the the benefit of that to a, a, a major extent, I also think that it puts a hindrance on understanding the breadth of what the season means as far as how do you grow throughout the season, who's your competition, where's the target coming from on your back or on another's, what does the national landscape look like? Jeff Choate always talked about at Montana State that once they played North Dakota State in 2019 in the semifinals, they had seen the beast. They had felt it. They knew what it was going to take now. Well, it shouldn't take you until you get to the semifinals to know what you're up against, in my humble opinion. I think that you should know that from the onslaught. I think you should be able to – you should be watching the, the stats and, and, and hero top 25s. You should be looking not necessarily at articles critiquing you, but you should be knowing the idea of where the national landscape lies and what it's going to take. Who's good this year? Sam Houston's been in the top five. Sam Houston won it last year. What's Sam Houston do? Maybe look up a player or two. It's kind of important to understand the different styles as well as the different players. And it's not that you have to do an endless, you know, a book report on everything that you're looking at and reading about. But I've always found it interesting that if you sit down with a fifth year or a fourth year junior uh, who starts at Montana State and you say, what do you think of, of the Missouri Valley? They would say, I have no idea. And I probably think that that's to, to a detriment. There's no doubt about it, and this is not a criticism of, of anybody that I'm about to speak of, but just to compare and contrast, at the Big Sky kickoff, 
Uh, I've asked actually Brett Vegan this question multiple times, multiple iterations of this question, Montana State new head coach. I asked him, when do you start scouting the rest of the big sky? When do you start comparing your players to the talent in the league? When do you start looking at your upcoming opponents, whether it's Wyoming or San Diego or Drake or any of the big sky teams? And he, he's kept saying, you know, we're keeping it internal. We're keeping it internal. We're not going to start looking at that stuff until the season's a lot closer. And, you know, even now, leading up to the Wyoming game less than 10 days away, he said, we're not going to start looking at that stuff for a little while. Whereas you asked Bobby Houck that same question, you know, what did you, how did you use the pandemic? How did you use the time away from a scouting perspective? And Coach Houck said, oh, we got full scouts on the top eight teams in the country. Everybody that played in the spring playoffs that went to the quarterfinals or farther, we got them all broken down already. We know what they do. We know what their personnel is like, all that stuff. To me, it seems like that is an essential part of knowing where you're at. It's just like when you're in high school and you're chasing a state championship. If you are only thinking about winning the city championship, for example, in Missoula, which I think used to be what held Big Sky back so much, was it was always just about beating Hellgate and Sentinel, and then we'll see where the chips may fall, because if we get the city championship, okay, maybe we can steal a couple more and uh, get to the playoffs, maybe make a run. But it was never about being better than Helena Capital or Great Falls CMR or Billings West. And so I do think you have to have that long lens view. So I just found it fascinating, sort of the, the dichotomy. And that's obviously coming from a guy in Bobby Houck who's been a head coach for 14 college football seasons including uh, entering his 10th at the University of Montana, compared to a guy that's just got his first head coaching job. And maybe the way that Brent Vegan's doing it is the new age way and the way to keep your kids focused. But I just found the, the, the contrasting nature of those two things to be quite fascinating. Yeah, it just it's always confused me a bit. I just I don't know why you wouldn't want to know all about all of it. I mean, it's not exactly. that complicated. It's already what you're doing. I mean, it's like it's like playing in a rock band and never listening to music or something. You know, it's like you probably listen to other people's albums for a good reason because uh, you enjoy it. First of all, it's entertaining to you. It's actually the thing that you have the most passion for in the world. Uh, I would find a lot of benefit in you know watching other players who are good at South Dakota State play my position and kind of watch what they do, see how their footwork is, see what tendencies that they like to look for, see how they attack the ball uh, culture-wise, watching you know a team in, in Texas, watching Sam Houston last year, watching some defensive plays and watching how they rally to the football and what their culture on the sideline is like. And, you, know, you see people with turnover chains and, and uh, turnover planks and all sorts of stuff that you know, is a part of culture. It's crazy to me to say that you don't really care or that it's too much for kids to think about, that it's all about you, that only you can beat you and only you can internalize all that stuff. To me, it's always been um, a little bit, you know, confusing. Maybe that's just, you know, coach speak, if you will. Maybe that, that they are looking at stuff outside that. They're just not letting us know. But to me, I would love to know the, the national landscape. I think teams like North Dakota State do that. Um, and as you mentioned, Bobby Houck has been a head coach for a long time. He also know what, what he knows very well what he has in his building. It takes a lot of effort and time to get to that point. So maybe, you know, it takes a little bit of experience. It also takes a little bit of, uh, of longevity and a little bit of luck to have a really good, solid thing internally before you can look out. But I do find importance in, in knowing what the national landscape. I've always found it fascinating, too, that coaches are so hesitant to proclaim that it's national championship or bust. Only a few guys ever do that. But that's what Coach Halk always says is the standard at uh, Montana. And Eastern Washington, uh, give credit to Aaron Best and his staff as well as, as, well as their players because they said that to be the Big Sky kickoff as well. At Eastern, they're not satisfied unless they're going to Frisco. So I think that's what it takes to get there. I know that a lot of this is about the winning the press conference and the semantics and setting yourself up for another contract extension or whatever. It's just like being a politician when you're a coach. 
you got to win the election to get reelected. But regardless, I think that sometimes having lofty expectations, it's, it's not a bad thing. I think it actually could be beneficial to teams. I don't think it's a, some sort of jinx or curse of death. In fact, I think sometimes that's what should be proclaimed because that could be the way that uh, it leads you all the way to the promised land. Yeah, I would have the highest expectations that you possibly can. Yeah, I mentioned that with Sacramento State when we're going through some uh, breaking down the league and, and, and talking about kind of where people's expectations lie. You know, set the expectations high so that you can you know you have something to strive for. And I think that that couldn't be more true. Uh, Bobby Houck does you know talk like that, which is really interesting. Especially again, he knows what he has in the building, which is really important as far as <laughs> you can set expectations high when you know you have a really good roster. Brooks Duana at SkylineSportsMT.com. Go check out SkylineSportsMT.com today. Get yourself a subscription. It's only $8 a month or uh, $90 a year. And uh, we got all sorts of great coverage for you, including a follow-up story, speaking of quarterbacks, on Cam Humphrey as the Grizz starting quarterback. Also got a little feature on Matt McKay and his journey from Raleigh, North Carolina to Bozo, Montana. That's a quarterback to Montana State Bobcats. So go check out SkylineSportsMT.com. Brooks, thanks so much for taking so much time on your Wednesday. And uh, travel safe. I will see you tomorrow. Looking forward to it. But in the meantime, be well. Absolutely, man. Great to talk. There you go. For kicking it with us here, give us some great feedback, some great analysis, as he always does. Thanks to you for hanging out with us on your Wednesday. Hope you're having an outstanding day. I'm going to Bozeman. I am driving a brand new car, brand new. So if I can't get there this time, it is wasn't meant to be. But uh, say a prayer for me. And we'll be broadcasting to you from Brick Breeden Fieldhouse tomorrow on the Montana State campus. Byron Rollins from Missoula Sentinel, who's now a Bobcat defensive lineman, will join us. Also going to hear from our good friend Carolyn, she who doesn't know sports. And uh, some other stuff as we make the rounds around Bozeman, Montana. Can't wait to be over there. If you missed anything in today's show, it was a very fun show. Our good buddy Anthony Knockreiner, Class AA football insider, joined us. We also broke down the Class B and C ranks for high school football with the season openers for almost all the teams around the state looming here uh, in a couple days on Friday night. And uh, also did some fancy football advice and some word association when it comes to the Big Sky Conference as part of our ESPN Roundtable. Presented by Paradise Falls. Miss anything in the show? Find it all on the podcast. Podcast is proudly presented by Sports Bet Montana, Blackbird Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. We'll be back at it tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourself an outstanding evening and be good. You want us now? After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.